Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to this week's group call, the Matrix discussion group call for tactical sovereignty. This beautiful Sunday, the first day of the week, not the seventh, obviously, then not the Sabbath either. Uh, we've got a um, friend with us back this evening, Thomas. And uh, we're going to be covering a document that we had mentioned last week. And um, it's interesting on this journey, the phases that we go through in trying to figure out what the heck's going on, where our connection is with the state how jurisdiction exists, different things like that. And and what we really find is that there are many, many ways we have all contracted in, either knowingly or unknowingly. Uh, there's a lot of people that want to come out and they'll say, oh, well, contractor, you've got to have a wet ink, you know, on paper, and there's, there's got to be, you know, the, the seven different criteria for contracting. You've got to have meeting of the minds. There's got to be full disclosure, et cetera, et cetera. Well, okay. But, you know, when you're getting the contracts, that means you need to get in and also comprehend and study contract law because there's multiple kinds of contracts, and not all of them rely on those elements. And I've seen and experienced that directly from watching judges and what happens in courts. And there's many times, and in fact, I would say most times, we contract only through our actions. Our actions alone tie the knot. And we don't even realize that that's the case. Um, and like I've said many times, that participation is consent. Our participating alone is our consenting. Basically telling the other side, okay, yeah, go ahead and do a unilateral contract on us. We don't care because we don't read. We're not going to pay attention. And we're going to accept any pains or penalties that come along the way because of it. Um, and so I guess what I'm getting at is one of the things that we end up learning is that all these people that may come against us, known as air quotes, public servants, uh, these people all have contracts and agreements with the agencies or whatever parts of government, local, state, municipal, or the case may be federal. Uh, and then in looking at this and researching this made me stop and think, hold on a second. Where's our contract? Where's our connection? We don't have a contract. So that to me is where everything starts falling under presumption of law and we hear that all the time and their presumption is hey we don't care that our actions show our agreement to the contract and that's kind of the basics of uh, my feeling and you want to add to that this evening Thomas Uh, I think the really good start with that and, you know, the, the 
really uh, confusing part for a lot of beginners is that there are other people who are talking as though they have a process that betters their situation, whether you call remedy or cure or whatever it may be to, to write the uh, position that you have or the joinder you have with the entity. And that could be confusing for beginners because the best thing you can remember is there is no right way. So the, the document that we're referring to tonight is one of many different uh, ways that you can approach this. And uh, Brian did a great way of describing that in a lot of ways, you're to rebuke track. It's like you, everybody wants to argue whether or not there's a contract or not. Sometimes you just find yourself rebuting the, the, the context of a contract. There's even the idea of joinder when we go through this tonight, I think uh, a, a possible hint that we're simply giving ammunition to your way, or uh, argue may not be the best word, actually. It may be to respond to the presumption of Tom, you've dropped out oh, for me. I don't, I don't know if you've dropped out for other people. You dropped for me there for the last 30 seconds. Oh, no, that's no good. I wonder what's going on with that. That's uh, Everybody was saying that was happening on the last recording, too. All right. Um, trying to think of where you dropped at. If you can go back 20 or 30 seconds, if you can locate that uh, mentally. Uh, basically just making the point that if we're using this document with a beginner, they don't necessarily have to look at it as they're going to take it and run with it verbatim. You're using it as ammunition to rebuke the presumption of joinder. You know, that we're all just trying to build our mental psychological understanding of joinder and how we can verbally stand in honor when, you know, like you say, an adversary, be it a, state person or uh employee of the state it's like they come along and they presume that there's joinder with this contract you'll see many many different sentences that simply allow you to to rebuke that i yield the floor yeah and <laughs> that, that that's actually perfect you actually nailed that perfectly and what I was really uh, wanting to put together, and I'll tell you what, what kicked it off in my mind. What kicked it off in my mind was uh, studying the 97th thesis of uh, Martin Luther. And uh, he had posted, I think, 27 thesis earlier, maybe 14 earlier than that. Uh, so this was nothing new. And this was actually a practice that was done at that time when people had questions of um, of the church and of their doctrine or theology. And these theses were basically kind of questions or difficulties people had. And so it was a way of opening the door so that any of um, the people in the church wanted to step forward and, and not necessarily debate, but have conversations about this and try and have it ironed out, 
that was the way it was done. And but off from this uh, sprouted the Protestant movement and um, the Reformation Church, Church of the Reformation. And I, if I found that very interesting because what are they doing? Are they no, they're not exiting the Catholic Church. They're wanting to reform the Catholic Church. Uh, in a way, they're trying to reinvent the wheel that the Vatican had created. And so these Protestants all this time, technically they've never left the Catholic Church. They're just protesting against it. And it's just like people nowadays, if they want to go down to the local courthouse and protest, a, pro a protest means nothing more than, I disagree with what's going on. I don't like it. I'm still going to follow it, but I disagree. I don't like it. It doesn't change anything. Um, it's not a separation. Uh, separation. I think there was a separatist movement as well, which would have made a whole lot more sense. And th this would have been why the Pope has referred to the Protestant churches as a sister church. Uh, because it, it's not a separate church. It's not necessarily a different church. It's it, it thinks it is, but not even according to the Pope is it. And looking at that, I was saying, okay, well, what's happening with the people in the state today? Um, the people want to act like they're separate from them or that they follow a higher power. Okay, well, if you want to claim that, good. Prove it. Where have you documented it? Where have you given notice? Now, giving notice through the ages has always been a way of standing in honor. And I've not seen that done by anybody. I've not seen that taught to people. Uh, instead, everybody wants to teach codes and statutes, and we got to make them follow their own rules. And no, you can't. You don't have standing to do that. Um, uh, you are actually an inhabitant on the land, and even by their own law, an inhabitant really doesn't enjoy a whole lot of rights. And so I, I think putting something in motion saying this is who and what I am, this is where I stand, is something that's necessary. And it's not just something that can be used, like one time you sent to the Secretary of State. This is something that can be used as an exhibit to any contract that is signed. Whether you're buying a car, uh, you know, renting a condo, whatever the case may be, any contract, this can be attached to it. Because what you're showing here is that if the contract that is being presented to you um, does not follow the guidelines of your own personal compact that you have with like-minded men and women, then that original contract is null and void. Um, it, it has to uh, stand in a moral position. And a, a lot of people, I think, don't even really comprehend what a moral position is. But I laid this out... And, well, I'd say I, I, it wasn't just me, it was myself, uh, Thomas, um, Vincent, who's been seen uh, recently on a group um, live feed that we did a few days ago. Some people know him by the name of Robert. Um, the three of us and another gentleman sat down and went through kind of the wording for this to get it right. Because what it was going to do is also that if anybody else wanted to become a party to it that did not meet the criteria of this, 
it automatically voided their position. And in fact, them by them signing it alone, they were voiding their own position if it did not fit who and what they really were. Um, so it, it's kind of, it, the compact is kind of a double-edged sword. Um, I don't know, do you have it in front of you right now as well, Thomas, or no? I have, yeah, I do. I can read it or I have it in front of me in digital form, yep. Okay. Well, I think there is nothing more boring, uh, whether it's TV, radio, or a podcast like this or anything, than listening to somebody read something, okay? Uh, so I thought maybe the easiest thing to do um, would be I'll read part, you'll read part, and back and forth, and uh, that might make it a little easier to listen to. And uh, we can also go and we'll stop at the end of each section and give some explanation of it because there's going to be some wording that the average man or woman is not going to be familiar with. Now, I guarantee the powers on high, oh, they'll be very familiar with the wording, uh, which is kind of why that wording is important. But most people won't be. Um, Thomas, did uh, do you want to start it out, or did you want myself? Now, I also want to let people know. Uh, that say, first. It, it, beg your pardon? Oh, that first uh, paragraph is a doozy. Yeah. And the first paragraph is a doozy, so you start it. Yeah, it, you want me to start that? Okay, cool. I'll do that. And I want to let people know that like anything, any notice or anything that I write, any of them are one page. And this doesn't even take up a whole page because I wanted to make sure there was room at the bottom of it for a jurat, a place for people to sign and have either witnesses or a notary or whatever their choice was. So, and then there's a header on it. So, you know, this document technically might take up two-thirds of a page, I would say, uh, with the way it's written. So, okay, Thomas, I'll, I'll start it out. Uh, this, is, uh, this was actually done in 2019, uh, and it is titled Our Compact, all right? Underneath it, it says, Iturum Natus Ab Initio. Uh, you know, we're told to come in as children. That's what scripture says. And so we're babies from the beginning, in fact, and we're free from the beginning. So it starts out, To all whom this may come, greetings. And it is then section one, which is mind. This is laid out in three sections. Section 1 is mind, section 2 is body, and section 3 is spirit. All right, to begin, mind, section 1. We, the men and women of this compact, who shall hereafter be referred to as, in quotations, we, us, our, my, and ourselves, end quote. Come now, being a full age of a majority, dwelling on original jurisdiction of nationality and possessing first-hand knowledge of the contents herein. With our allegiance 
being in like mind one to another under our creator or creators realm in our sentiments or our sentience establish trust and government of election which means choice being void for cause of any and all constructs surety claim or controversy of any principality or temporal power or religion at all which is without evidence of my full written consent period we have chosen this station for ourselves and our lineage bonded together with only those of like mind and moral intent standing only on our sacred honor one to another and that's the end of paragraph one um, were there some points in that that you wanted to touch on, Thomas? I think uh, you really want to start right in the very beginning and uh, show how the first sentence is setting up the portion that's in quotations and that you're setting uh, a subject. And then after that, it says, come now being of the full age of majority. And that's a very important point. So it's like the, the compact itself allows you to be of the age of the majority. So it's saying that this particular seeing through of these processes allows you to actually be contract to what we're trying to to begin, you know, to actually be established in trust where you would like to be. Right. It's evidence of it, as a matter of fact, right? Right. Yep. And on top of it, when it comes to, depending on, you know, people's, how much they've learned, studied or whatever, being a full age majority um, doesn't mean you've turned 18 years old. Uh, there's people that I've met who are 70 years old who have yet come to the age of majority. A lot of people reach this age at different times. I think the youngest I've probably met anybody that's reached this may be in their mid-30s. It's sad to say. But we spend all of our beginning of our life enjoying the fruits that this world offers without getting in and learning the things we really need to learn and know. Um, which, unfortunately, like on this podcast night, might be kind of dry for some people. But for others, they'll totally realize the importance of this. And there's a point to be made here, too, within the, the American, the U.S. society, in that we're brought into this interesting state of being at the age of 16 that has to do with operating a motor vehicle when really there's a larger relationship that you're establishing which involves exactly what's said in the middle of this paragraph which is governance of election and that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you getting a temp operator's license to go from 16 to 18 with relationship to the department of motor vehicles this is a much grander or broader scale 
uh, statement that you're making that, as Brian said, it might be when you're 45 years old and you're fully of the age of adulthood and can make any choices that you wish to, this simply dissolves all type of controversy and, and literally states that you're looking to have true governance of election over your over your writs, over your uh, contracts and trusts, whatever they may be. You kind of, Brian, would you say that you're kind of starting at zero again, or are you simply uh, uh, simplifying or or dissolving any type of joinder that was established beforehand? I would say this is actually um, a little of both. This is absolutely starting at zero. Uh, but this, this could also, I mean, how many times do we get something in the bank in the mail that says, oh, we've amended the contract? Well, that means that you can choose whether to accept it being amended or not. And in a way, this is also not just starting from the beginning, but this is also doing the same thing and saying, hey, I have come to full age majority. I am aware there's some things going on I wasn't aware of before. So now I need to add uh, my amendment to whatever contract you're using this for. Right. That's a great, that's a great point to make. And, and really when you get into the meat and potatoes of this, um, it's very difficult to maintain your contract with what we perceive as the government right now while staying in honor or in, like you called it, the, the moral uh, uh, intent of standing with this, with this particular uh statement. So that's kind of starting at zero. It allows you to be in right relationship with those who are in the private jurisdiction, but it also kind of keeps you off limits from the public estate that lies out there in the form of a government. I mean, let's let's maybe continue a little bit longer before we get into that particular conversation. But uh, the right in the middle of that, that paragraph it starts listing by comma you got canon proclamation writ cast corporate all of these things and it's just a big barrel of stuff it doesn't really matter which one of those uh, well you dropped thomas right after you said out of that whole barrel which is under change it because right Yeah, so what you're doing in, in that list that he just went through, um, the things followed by comma, you know, whether by canon, proclamation, writ, due to chaos, corporation, divine right, trust, or religion at all, it, it is kind of touching the multiple contracts and entities that have offered contracts that you might be operating through. You know, you could possibly be operating through contracts under canon law through the Vatican, that you have no idea that you're doing because it's something having to do with the state. Um, the, the kind of the, the rules and the regulations for even the bar association, those are canon laws. I don't know if people realize those are canons, but those are canons as well. Um, so you're just kind of shotgunning everything right there with that, and, and it ends with without evidence of my full consent. So right there, you're 
kind of getting rid of the situations where um, you've consented through your deeds or through your actions. Um, it, it kind of nixes the participation proving consent. It, it takes that out of the picture. It, it's basically saying if I'm tied to anything, there needs to be physical evidence of it. it needs to be in written, written form. I'm going to have signed it. Um, that that was kind of my intent behind it. Um, is is that what you see as well, Tom? Yeah, like I think you, as you mentioned, it's like a shotgunning of all of it. It's taking the whole dustbin and just sweeping it all up and getting rid of all of it at one shot. Because here in the United States, the more you learn, the more you realize that a lot of it is set up under exglacial. So, you know, when you talk about the divine right or any of that trust, trust or, or uh, writ or any of that, you're pretty much giving, you know, the the right verbiage to just wholesale grab it and say i'm not really i'm not willing to have a default connection to it i need to have written consent to have anything to do with that yeah absolutely i gotta have written consent i mean it, it needs to be what people have generally assumed that it would be in written form even though it's not always that way so it kind of gets rid of those underhanded practices that they've done. And I want people also notice in this, there's twice in this first paragraph where it share, shows where your allegiance is. In the beginning, it shows that, you know, your allegiance is to one another of like mind. And towards the end as well, it says that we have chosen this station for ourselves and our lineage bonded together only with those of like mind. Does that sound familiar to people? In the Constitution, they use the word posterity. That meant the same thing as lineage. It didn't mean for all Americans. No, posterity meant for their children. They were doing it for themselves and their children. So in this, I put in that the station has been chosen for ourselves, those who have signed on, and our lineage. And that's where the bond is at. And... At the same time, what have we put on the stake? We've pledged our sacred honor one to another. Have we pledged it to U.S. Inc., to the governor of Massachusetts, to Governor Whitmer of Michigan, or DeSantis of Florida? No. It's only pledged one to another. You guys aren't part of it. Just like we're not part of your club, you're not part of our club. <laughs> I thought that was, I was kind of laughing in my mind when I wrote that. Um, oh, you well, want to add to that? It's Tom? a good point. It's a good point because there's a lot of people who do have affiliations that run the gamut of religion to fraternity, uh, and there will be more in the future. The the private side will be full of lots of different little uh, hybrid affiliations, and so we're always going to have to be reminding each other that my my loyalty is to the private. Yeomanry to the private uh, jurisdiction. And I'll mention within this uh, sentence here 
that I struggled with it a little bit. And I'll, I'll mention why, because I think it might help others who come after us. It says, we have chosen this station for ourselves and our lineage bonded together. And I struggled a little bit because of the word station, because I wanted to mentally understand where station sits within status, standing, and capacity. And I didn't really know at first. I was like, where does station really, really uh, come into that? You know, why wouldn't we just use one of those other words for, you know, for the sentence? And after a while, I became uh, comfortable with it because the station is where you're uh, physically, physically at. And if you're stationed, you know, for ourselves and for your lineage, like you said, it's for the posterity of the equity that you accumulate that you're looking to pass on in whatever form. And so that became much more clear to me because even the word bonded is strong, like saying bonded together. Well, again, being bonded to any type of establishment you know, within the construct of this compact would be, uh, it would be backwards. It would be taking us in the wrong direction. So again, you're saying bonded together in our sacred honor, one to another. So it just allowed me to become more comfortable again by using the, the word station in here, where at first it was a little bit awkward for me. So I just thought I'd bring that up. Yeah, station was a word I came across a few years ago. Uh, when I stopped reading a lot of, I don't know, the Patriot stuff or whatever, and got into a lot of the older writings, um, historically, and the word station was a very common word, and, and station basically uh, meant something a little tighter. It meant it was a position in life that you have chosen. Not a place where you've been placed and say, okay, I'll just deal with things here. I don't like it, but uh, no. Station meant it was your place in life and you had chosen that place in life. And in fact, it, it could be thought of almost like a fortress. It, it was a position you would defend. And so I really kind of fell in love with that word station. And that's how I saw it. And for anybody that comes along, if it helps out, uh, just you could even uh, rotate out the word station and put in the word solution just so that you can figure out how it's being used within the context of the whole paragraph because it truly is the solution. You're bringing yourself to a new station where there is no controversy and that in itself is the solution. So whether we call it remedy or we call it cure, it's, it's more or less looking to get you know, the most cleanly cut surgical um, uh, step forward. And although there may be multiple steps within the process, just creating a language that alleviates the controversy is is really what this this whole document is looking to do. So um, I just thought if you if you rotate out the word station and you bring in the word solution, that helps you again with what's trying to be done with the whole document. So uh, I'll I'll go ahead and read the second paragraph, Brian. Are you ready for that? I want to bring up one thing that you mentioned, Thomas, which was beautiful, is that it eliminates controversy. And that is exactly spot on, hit the nail on the head, what this is supposed to do. Because this whole system 
you know, who was cast to earth? The great adversary was cast to earth. The great deceiver was cast to earth. This is his system. These governmental systems running today, they're not established by, well, they may be established by God, but not by the creator God. The God that they're established under is the great adversary. So when you remove controversy, the fodder for that system has disappeared. The food for that system has disappeared, and there can be no argument without controversy. So, absolutely. Uh, yeah, go on to part two, body. Beautiful. Two, having to do with body. We stand united in separation and peaceful settlement from any such system or associations being disadvantageous for us to participate or interact with for cause due to those systems transgressions to the rights of humanity, the natural law, lack of moral character, piety, and the oppression and exploitation of knowledge, genes, and DNA infused by the supreme creator. We are void of any presumption of joinder, which is without evidence of my full written consent and any system due to any interaction, forced association, or intercourse with any officer, agency, affiliate, or use of its commercial script, which we perform under strict necessity without the ability to exhaust legal recourse and or remedy in equity. Full stop, period. For cause, any such assumption or presumption of joinder shall be repugnant to our self-determination and intent of exile. Therefore, consent is dissolved, refused, quashed, rescinded, and disregarded as frivolous, without merit, and void of any all consequence for those of this compact. Any matter adversely affecting another shall be in the spirit of peace to find office of the facts. I yield the floor. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there's a mouthful there as well, and um, what what that's basically saying. You know, the first part was about mind. It's about our decision, uh, and the second part was this section was labeled as body. Uh, this is our physical existence and what we're following and what we're not following, and that we're not going to be held under any presumption. The presumption is being ended. The argument's being ended. The controversy is all ended right here. That, that second paragraph actually does an excellent job of that. Um, were, were there points of that that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, and also, I want to say that there's so many little things in there, like self-determination. That's huge. That statement's huge. Um, the intent of exile. We all, everybody has the right of exile, of self-exile. And the system today, and the way I see it, has made it very, very easy because you no longer need to pack your suitcase and, and move across border to somewhere else because the system today is essentially digital. It's not even physical. There's no landmarks. There's no line in the sand dividing the states or anything like that. 
uh, it, these are all concepts. They, they only exist in people's mind. And so, therefore, that makes the right of self-exile even more and more easy than people would think. And the first sentence brought up peaceful settlement. I would challenge people, go to documents of the United Nations and look at what their number one goal they claim is. It's always the peaceful settlement of dispute. Always. They bring that up over and over again. So anyway, I yield with that. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, really great sequitur there. Uh, peaceful settlement. So if we're looking to use this document to come to a peaceful settlement with that which is creating controversy. The peer solution is to gain our uh, capacity to choose. And if we have true self-determination, that means that we can have the freedom to associate, but also the freedom to disassociate. And that is implying the intent to exile, but we're saying it overtly, right? In the very uh, la latter part of that paragraph, the self-determination and intent of exile uh, it's very, very clearly shown there that if there is something creating uh, a controversy, um, if it's pouring out the merit of the relationship that that we give our, um, we preserve our position to uh, create a lack of joinder there, to create a, a cessation or a termination. And that's really what is... Uh, being done with this whole document that if we weren't born into a system that creates controversy and removes our actual self-determination, none of this would actually be uh, needed. But the fact of the matter is about two weeks back, uh, Curtis Kallenbach did a great job of verbalizing the way that we're separated from ourselves. And then that, that part of us is, is brought under this, 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 frivolous and 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 it's like a meta I, sometimes people will call it a digital but it's a meta system and it's made up in our minds of course but it still is real for one reason because people believe in it and so we can't get people to stop believing in it but we can create a document that people can believe in that affects our specific relation to it and that affirms our self-determination. We're showing other people that because of my self-determination, I can take a step to the right or take a step to the left and bring myself outside of the sphere again. And so, you know, the, the body itself has to be dealt with, right? Because if we're separated at birth, We've got this lowercase name that still can be used. And some people end up choosing that in which to be in relationship with other private people. Because once you submit this document and you're ready to go, you got it signed, it kind of brings you over to this thing called the yeomanry. And to get to the yeomanry means that you exercised your self-determination to disassociate, to self-exile. So it's kind of like what Brian said is it's, it's, it's a value, but it's also a little bit of a, a detriment too, because you're giving yourself the opportunity to act in, uh, 
I guess, in honor over on the private side, but you're making it very difficult for yourself to keep joinder with the entity that is perceived as the government operating over there on the public side. So again, you're taking the moral high ground. When we talked about that word station, you can swap it out for the word solution. And you could swap that out for saying, I'm choosing the high ground, the moral high ground. I'm taking the merit back. I'm taking the equity back. And so when we meet each other over on the private side, again, having terminated our relationship to the entity that is creating controversy, we're now we're now maintaining our equity and we're creating joinder with each other with that equity intact. And that's really all that the age of the majority is meant to uh, uh, kind of define is that someone can stand in their own honor verbally with their position and then bring themselves into joinder with others from that point forward. So uh, with that, I'll yield the floor. Yeah. Uh, brilliantly stated, brilliantly stated. You know, one of the things that was coming to mind when you were talking was when mom and dad decide to have a baby, and do they sit and say, okay, I think our finances are okay, our home is stable, housing is stable, our jobs are stable, this is a good time to start a family. Um, what do you think, honey? Do you want to have a citizen? <laughs> or, gee, husband, let's make a citizen. Now. Let's make a let's make offspring, a child, a boy or a girl, you know. And so you come into this into this world as a creation of your mom, your dad, and the creator on high. That's where you come in at. Everything else is an artificial construct. Um, this isn't today, in my viewpoint. The way it was under, say, the divine rate of kings two or three hundred years ago, uh, where the people were were not automatic citizens. In fact, if you look back at um, the Roman Empire, the people were not all citizens. Citizenship was something that was earned. It was a status. It wasn't gifted to anybody. And I totally believe it's the exact same way today. What? And I've asked people, and they've said they're a citizen. I've said, okay, what documentation do you have from the state to provide evidence that you are a citizen? And then it's like, uh, 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 uh. You know, the only place where you are ever written down as a citizen is generally either when you applied for a driver's license or you do an accounting for your organization called the all caps name in the spring in April where you sign under penalty of perjury that you are a citizen of the US or actually it says you are a US citizen which I've never seen a definition for US citizen that's a legal term there needs to be a definition for US citizen never seen it anywhere they're a citizen of the United States, citizen of the United States of America. Those are all different things. I've yet to find anybody with evidence that they are a citizen of the United States. Um, now, that does not mean that they do not exist. I firmly do believe that there are those who exist. And I believe that they are stakeholders in U.S. Inc. And probably get dividend checks yearly. 
Um, people want to claim to be a citizen of the U.S., fine. Uh, where's your dividend check from the company that you invest in all year long? Uh, you don't see it anywhere. Um, well, I, I guess then that moves on to part three, spirit. Did you want me to read that, Thomas? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think we're going to need to circle back a little bit after you read this one because there's some, you know, direct uh, affiliation with the uh, current presumption of vaccination uh, information that we, we can we can speak to within this. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a whole another new realm or whatever of things. All right. So um, the third paragraph, which is the shortest of the three is essentially the jurat, and it's labeled spirit, because that's what a jurat is. It's your spirit. It's your intent behind what you've previously written. And this, uh, this section kind of reaffirms things in the first two sections. All right, spirit, section three. This we perform by our own hand through the divine spirit of our supreme creator without reservation or detriment to any other of this realm or of the dimensions beyond. Furthermore, described given names of those listed below are solely property of those listed, period. Should one find fault or, or should, I'm sorry, should one find fault in our station, stray from thinking ill of it, suffer it, be absent from rebuttal. To be absent from a rebuttal. <clears throat> Period. With silence as our bond, further we sayeth not. And on the left, there is a place for a witness, or I would recommend three witnesses if you go that route or a notary. And then to the right, if you notice on a lot of documents, I showed a document uh, a couple weeks ago or somebody else did in Tactical Sovereignty in the Facebook group. And it was an attorney or a representative or senator who had signed it. And their location of signature was on the right-hand side. And I mentioned that. I said, do you know why? Does anybody catch that? And somebody else spoke up and they said, that's the side of the creditor. And that's exactly right. The creditor's signs on the right, debtor's sign on the left. We've all been taught to sign on the left. So on the right, there's a place where it says buy, and then forward slash S forward slash, which means it's also in digital form somewhere else possibly, your signature autograph this day, and then you can date it. And underneath that it says nativity place and day. And you can list um, your natural existence there, your, your nativity place where you were born. Because this isn't just for people in the U.S. or for, you know, people in Ohio or for people in Wyoming. You know, you, if people live in New Zealand, they can use this. If they live in England, they can. It doesn't matter where. And, in fact, it would be brilliantly done if other people from other lands also signed on with us in this because when we were created we were given dominion over the earth 
over everything. You know, we weren't just restricted to the Garden of Eden or restricted, you know, to, to Persia or something like that. No, we were told we had dominion over the earth. That meant everything. That's something people really need to think about. So even though the left kind of uses this whole thing of, you know, New World Order and it sounds so evil. No, we really are connected with each other. Not connected, though, through a New World Order to rule us, but we are all brothers and sisters. No matter what color our skin is, no matter how short we may be, no matter how tall we may be, or short or fat, it doesn't matter. We are all brothers and sisters. And the more you research history, the more you find how true that really, really is. Um, so, yeah, I'll turn it back over to you, Thomas. Uh, well explained there. It's a short paragraph that uh, really helps bring the weight to the previous two and uh, even alludes to dimensions beyond, which, you know, generally in documentation and in contracts, you don't get any type of reference to that until you get to insurance forms. Insurance will sometimes talk to an act of God. And so you kind of get this illusion of dimensions beyond that something can happen outside of the, the realm of human knowing or human control. And so when it says that should you find fault in our station, try not to think ill of it or suffer it, that it might be absent from rebuttal. Well, when you're making a declaration and you do feel like there is some fault within the station being given in the inside of that, then you should be able to bring uh, some type of uh, argument to, to say that there's some controversy here. And that's, that's what a claim is. When someone's laying a claim uh, in response to a, a declaration, that's, that's creating a, a little notice that, hey, maybe there's something you didn't see or maybe I'm seeing this from a different angle. And that's really what this document is trying to do. If, you, if some new person were coming along and they just weren't sure what all this was for, it's simply for us to bring ourselves outside of the little sphere of controversy and be where we're still pure. And we're saying, come out here and join us. Once there's a few of us, we can begin kind of creating joinder amongst ourselves. And then we create the actual republic. This is the actual republic itself. It's, it's a little, it's a bit of a big piece to bite off for a lot of people. It creates cognitive dissonance to think of this, but we've been living inside of a society and a culture where there really is no Republic because there is no private side. There is no yeomanry. And that's really what this document is looking to, uh, create clarity within saying, where are you, where is your station? Well, my station is where there is no controversy. Clearly is on the private side right now because we're we're in we now have many areas of controversy being created with the side side of things, um, and there's codification happening everywhere within our uh, reality. And so uh, we circle back to that middle paragraph, and it says uh, we stand united 
in the face of oppression and exploitation of knowledge, genes, and DNA infused by the Supreme Creator. And we made this back in 2019. We didn't have any idea of what was you know, coming down the pipe for the whole world, let alone our country. But this is directly speaking to teachers. This is directly speaking to mothers who are having to go through the tough uh, turnstile of codification of the children, codification. And so really when you get down in between these sentences, you find out that it's applicable to everybody, but it's especially applicable to these individuals are starting to find themselves kind of out of control, codified. I'm being codified out of my peace and harmony with my world. And so that's what Brian was speaking to down here uh, without reservation or detriment. We're looking to hold the reservation so that we do not have to experience detriment. And that is our honorable place. We were born with that honorable position. And so um, that, that's something I just wanted to bring up because we didn't know about any of this. And it's speaking to DNA infused by the Supreme Creator. Well, maintain that if you can. Maintain your purity if you would like to because that's really what someone who is of the age of the majority they should get that choice to do so. So I yield the floor with that. Yeah, you know, one of the other things I kind of giggled to myself and when, when this was written, uh, that phrase that you mentioned, should anyone find fault in our station? Which means, that, you know, should anybody find a problem with our decision? It says, stray uh, thinking ill of it. Stray from thinking ill of it. And, you know, don't, don't think something negative towards a decision I've made. It's my decision. What decisions have you made? What, what have you put pen to? That's a good question. But that phrase, stray from thinking ill of it, now, do you know where that came from, Tom? Uh... I've I thought that I've seen that in some of Blackstone's um, uh, comments about you know someone making a declaration that it's actually off limits to someone else's uh, controversy that they would like to create around it. It's like it's off limits. Of, I forget what the word they use in their legal parameters, but where did it come from? Yeah, well, it actually makes sense that it would be in. Uh in Blackstone's commentaries because, you know, you have to realize what he knew about law at that time. And most of his law that he knew really came from the common law of England. And the phrase stray from thinking ill of it is actually in Latin. I believe it is on the uh, Great Seal of Great Britain. I could understand they want people to stray thinking ill of that thing. <laughs> yeah, don't hate us. Don't hate me. Don't tase me, bro. <laughs> We're above reprieve. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, and I think that pretty well sums up uh, what our compact is about. And um, Tom brought up, you know, some very interesting things, especially, you know, when we put in. Uh, the information about, you know, 
the changing of our DNA or the exploitation of it or of our genes or, you know, uh, because this is something that a few of us, we, we saw this coming. We, we, we saw the writing on the wall. We saw the way things had been moving in and we knew that in the future it was only going to get worse. And so I guess from here on out, um, maybe we can hit on some of those issues because I think Thomas has uh, more to add when it comes to that. Yeah, so go ahead, Tom. Yeah, there's a point to make here uh, to tack on to what you said earlier about how individuals start coming into the world uh, understanding there is controversy in their current position. They're not really able to own their property, that the equity that is that is obviously there is, is being kind of retitled and that there's a constant constructive fraud or re-equitizing uh, being done uh, in the meta side and on the digital side. And um, it's worth saying that different people take on their process in a different way. Uh, for instance, some people um, need to understand things very, very clearly before they start ordering their paperwork and start uh, gaining the uh, process checkboxes uh, with the paperwork and getting things um, worked through that way. Other individuals will start the paperwork very, very quickly, even though they may not be able to verbally stand on the, the position uh, completely if, if challenged. And I think that's really where Brian was speaking to the age of the majority can be anybody of any actual age, because it's a process of self-awareness in the end. It's not even really a process of knowledge or ability to be smart about something. It's actually self-awareness because we all have a different relationship to the things that we own. We all have different, um, I guess what you would call, um, we all have different things that we own. Some of us are homeowners. Other people simply have a car. And so we have different, we have different things going on in our lives. And so people approach this differently. And what's beautiful about this particular document is it can be one of the first things that you physically take action on where you're understanding the individual sentences, you begin piecing those together so that you have a good capacity with all of the paragraphs. And then once you put the paragraphs together to really be able to stand on it verbally, if someone were to challenge you, that once you sit with your people that you're closest to and you say, would you sign this with me? Or would you be my witness to me signing this? That it just gives you this really nice first action that if you were to go out and say, order up your certificate of live birth to be, um, uh, you know, work through with your process that that right there is starting to get you into the actual uh, relationship with 
the entity again, the Secretary of State or the Secretary of Treasury, whereas this particular document, it only has to do with other private people. And so there's really no way to create controversy with this. There's no way to accidentally send the wrong paperwork or to word it a little bit incorrectly to create some type of liability. And so um, I really appreciate the work that was put into this by, you know, Brian and the others so that someone can just study this and get comfortable with it. And then as you're getting comfortable with it, you're figuring out who within your circle and your sphere could be the witnesses to you signing this once you really feel like you can stand on what it's saying. Because to sign this before you can stand on it is completely frivolous and it also it creates almost more controversy it, it, it doesn't help anything it's like setting your raft out to sea before making sure that it can you know hold water and and that's really what it is is when you can speak to the things and stand in your honor that you, you're going to be okay when someone you know challenges you but if you sign this before you're able to do that you're not helping yourself and you're not helping your dependents if you have them and you're not helping pass your equity on if it came to that and so um it's really a study guide first and then secondly it's a great first action step for when you're ready to take that action and and put your put your little john hancock at the bottom and have your witnesses there to say hey guys you guys are the ones that I want you signing this and know helping me, you know, know that I'm, you know, taking this in my own honor, you know, and you can show them, you know, show your witnesses that you can stand verbally on what this says. And uh, maybe they'll be the first ones that that will allow you to sign theirs as their witness and it becomes a mutual agreement. So with that, I yield the floor. It's just don't don't sign it before you can be in honor with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would recommend that, like I said, it's three short paragraphs and sit down with it and, you know, take the time to sit down with it. Uh, take an extra piece of paper or two, take some notes and go on your favorite search me engine like Google or DuckDuckGo or Bing. Uh, I love calling the search me engine because they search you while you're searching them. <laughs> and, you know, Grab segments of it, like peaceful settlement. Look that up. You know, um, exile or self-exile or you know, self-determination. Look those things up. And I, you know, not to overblow anything, but I could pretty much guarantee that by the time you get not even halfway through it, you're going to be saying. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. This is really something here. Um, it, even little statements like the end of uh, Section 2, Paragraph 2, that says, to find office. Those three words, to find office, is very important. Because so many people are living today without realizing that they are serving an office or a position that they're not aware of. 
And so to find office is very important. That lets them know you are aware of this position that has been pushed on you. Um, and I, I remember seeing that once. It, it, and it's kind of like the yellow VW thing. You never see any until you own one. Once you own one, you see them everywhere, you know. But when I, when I first read a document and it referred to, you know, uh, off to find office or office found, I was like, it kind of stuck that in the back of my head. I said, well, okay, I don't know what that is. And then all of a sudden it started popping out at me in different places. And it was tucked into different documents. So I was like, oh, wow, now I know a little bit more about what that document meant. But, you know, Tom's exactly correct. You know, once you comprehend this, and hopefully can sit down, I recommend if you don't use a notary, use three witnesses and have, go through it with them and show them what you've learned. Uh, like he said, they're probably going to want you to be a uh, signatory on theirs as well. And that means now you have also become bound all to each other. And like I said, hopefully I plan on having this online to where there's a place where it's not going to have your name and address and phone number or anything like that. Just your name and maybe the state you hail from, your place of nativity, and that's it. And watch that list grow. And, you know, when the system sees, oh, wow, there's a lot of people that are going and kind of joining with each other and making their own decisions and saying they don't need us anymore, that's when you're really going to start seeing the tables turn. And it doesn't matter if, because you're not going to see this happen over your whole state, over the whole USA, or, or over any other country. What this kind of thing like this does is it changes your relationships locally with the so-called air quote public servants. It really does. I can guarantee that. I have seen changes. I have seen changes. And I think so many people are waiting to get a knock on the door, and there's going to be the men in black standing there, and they've got a big red ribbon they're going to hang over your around your neck and say, oh, you made it. You're free now. In a lot of people's mind, it's like that's what they want to see. They want to see evidence of something like that. It doesn't work that way. The evidence you see is in your relationship with these other officials when now they don't start talking down to you. They're not trying to intimidate you. They're not trying to harass you. They end up, they start talking to you just like your next door neighbor. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I noticed this, you know, da, da, da. And they are extremely lenient. And when I say extremely lenient, lenient, <laughs> I mean extremely lenient um, to the point of, you know, I, I have so many people say, hey, I got a ticket for this or that. What do I do now? In my mind, I think, why did you get a ticket? I don't care what you're accused of doing. Why did they ticket you? Evidently, you've not positioned yourself correctly. To me, everything is about preventative medicine, and this is preventative medicine. And, you know, like Thomas had brought up, we are possibly seeing in the future some serious manipulation when it comes to DNA or whatever, or our genes, like this document referenced. Um, 
it could be ugly for some. It might not be so ugly for other people. Um, we reference our Supreme Creator. Our Supreme Creator is the one that we rely on. That's who takes care of us. And it's not whoever's sitting in the oral, I mean, the Oval Office. That's not our Supreme Creator. And when you draw a distinction there, I think uh, there'll probably be a, a level of leniency, <laughs> you may see, um, and maybe not. Uh, there is something interesting that I was looking at today that a friend of mine showed me, and I posted it to Facebook. You know, what's going on with, like, the taking down of statues and memorials and things like that? This is not isolated to the United States of America. This is happening across the world. This is happening. This people think, oh, our enemy, communist China. Okay, let's go look at communist China. Do you know they are taking down statues of their Buddhist gods over there? But over there, they aren't getting these little small fringe groups to do it. The government itself is doing it. As opposed to here in the USA, the government is getting these little fringe groups to go out and do it. And they don't do anything about it. Why, why aren't they doing Why isn't the U.S. government or federal government doing anything about it? Because they're really the ones behind it. Well, you know what? In China, they're being blatant. Over there, the government is taking down their statues of their gods. They are dismantling their sacred places. People need to realize this. This is the New World Order in action. It's been here for a long time. And it is now just starting to show its head. I hope people realize that. And I'm going to step away right now. Go ahead, Thomas. A uh, really good sequitur there. Um, you know, you bring up China, and they're kind of the banner right now for communist gentrification. And so I want to make an, ana an analogy and a little bit of a history lesson so we can go a little bit deeper because this compact uh, this compact itself would be illegal in China if the individual people there were to try to create joinder uh, with each other on a so-called private side, they would be uh, seen as enemies of the state and, and being um, uh, guilty of thought crimes. And so we're, Brian's making the statement that our government is, you know, behind the taking down of these statues. Well, it's a gentrification process. And so if we can understand that the same thing is happening here that has been happening in China at a very rapid pace, then we don't have to necessarily waste any time losing more ground and losing more equity. And so when you go back in history, there was a point in time when the uh, people involved in the colonies who were looking to maintain a semblance of uh, freedom of association and freedom of speech, they would use these symbols called liberty poles. And a liberty pole was just a long pole that would have some ribbons wrapped around it and maybe some free-flowing ribbons at the top that have specific colors or something. And that would allow the red coat for the loyalists to know that there are factions of individuals and groups that are on the other side. It's just beaconing. 
And what is a beacon? Well, a beacon is a signal. What is a signal? Well, a signal is something that you put outwardly to show your position. And that's exactly what's happening online now is everybody's using their social networking uh, account to virtue signal out to everyone else what they believe in, be it they believe in the the um, context of the Rona where we're going to wear masks and we're going to follow the arrows that are painted on the floor and we're going to only live between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. And so there's all of this codification that people can now virtue signal outwardly to show that they're participating in that. And that helps this false reality gain momentum because it doesn't have to be a true reality. It just has to be prime reality. It just needs a, a certain ratio of people to believe in it. And then it is true. And so we're literally using this compact to create a symbolic Liberty pole in the digital realm. And when I say the digital realm, I literally mean the digital realm. Whereas Facebook or Twitter or whatever platform you specifically choose, you can post that to your account to literally show others that not only am I thinking about this, but I'm taking action on this as well. And I put my signature down <laughs> to a uh, document that brings me to my original estate. And I can't really become associated with other people until they join me over there. And so you're kind of virtue signaling to others saying that you and I really aren't on the same side anymore until you join over here. And that doesn't mean that it's like joining my private membership association. It just simply means that you're joining the yeomanry, the private republic. And that right there can be a little bit um, intimidating it can be feeling like someone's making a action step before they're literally ready to stand on it verbally. And so that's why I bring up the context of the public bulletin system, which could be Twitter itself. I chose Twitter just off of my own preference, and I put up my uh, declaration. I put up my claims. I think in the end, it has no station. It really means nothing whatsoever, but it actually means everything because I'm using it as my digital liberty pole. And it allows others to see where I'm attempting to station myself. And um, it would be a good screen share, but to just simply uh, verbally bring this across, it's showing that I've gone ahead and signed this document, that I've signed this compact, and that I'm ready to go with that. Um, but it's also showing that I'm not uh, a self-agent, that I haven't gone out and done the steps with my paperwork to be authenticated and to be able to start using that paperwork. So it's kind of like a hybrid position that I'm showing. And that's really, really a good thing to show other people that you don't have to do the whole process immediately. You don't have to get to a certain um, position before you can outwardly start showing other people that Twitter itself is a really great medium to show others that you're in the process of this. 
And so um, I kind of look at it as a three-step thing where A, you're showing that you're working through the understanding of this document to be able to stand on it. You'll go ahead and sign it with in front of your witnesses. And then that will be the first step. The second step will be you going out and getting the paperwork and do, starting that authentication process. And then the third step will be creating some charter for a private membership association that others can then join you within. And so none of those steps can necessarily come out of its own sequence. They have to come in the appropriate order, but the digital realm allows you kind of like a sandbox to play within where you can practice and post and have other people help you or to even be uh, an endorser. Say, for instance, you don't have a whole 16 uh, peers in your local uh, kind of uh, like your local sphere, your local uh, uh, human group. So you can go and use the online sphere to try to accumulate peers who could endorse your declaration. I'm simply saying that we can use Twitter or some other platform to show and beacon out to other people to show that we're going through this process. So with that, I yield the floor. Yeah, I, I want to say as well, you know, something I found probably four years ago or so is I found um, a situation where Facebook had actually been upheld as being used as service of process. Um, if people don't comprehend what service of process is, um, people don't realize, for instance, when you get a driver's license, one of the things that you agree to within the driver's license is you agree to be the agent for service of process. Okay. And the service of process <coughs> is as the agent, you are an agent for the legal entity that the state created. And if somebody wants to sue you, then they need to go to the agent. And so they may hire a servicing company that comes in and brings you, you know, uh, affidavits or a summons for court and you've got to sign it and this stuff like that. That's a service of process, right? And uh, I, I found a case actually where Facebook and so Twitter, I'm sure would be the same but where Facebook had been upheld by a judge as being used as service of process against somebody. Um, I don't have that with me right now, but I can find it if anybody wants it in the future. Public notice uh, is public notice. Yeah, public notice. Uh, oh, hey, hey, you're with us, Keith. Yeah, That's, sorry, I'm, I'm late. I had private affairs to take care of, but I'm here. Yep, no problem. Uh, <clears throat> I want to mention as well, one of the things that totally... I mean, I about fell over cracking up today when I was reading or listening to it. It was a newscast. It was an international newscast, all right? And they were talking, again, about the situation with what's going on in Asia, with the taking down of monuments, taking down of their gods, you know, their Buddhist gods and things like that. And the question was posed to them, well, why do you think the government is doing this? And the correspondent said, well, what's happening really is that they're trying to close down the churches. They're, they said, uh, quote, 
they want to close discourse, which means they don't want people talking to each other. Okay. And they said the reason for this is because, okay, get ready for this. Are you ready? The reason for this is because China wants to quietly usher in communism. <laughs> and I thought, well, oh, thing- gosh, how long have we been told about communist China? Well, now we're being told that China's doing stuff to t- try and quietly usher in communism underneath everybody's nose. You know, that communism and socialist governments, all governments are socialist. Even the U.S. government is a socialist government. All you have to do is go and look up the definition of socialism. In the definition of social, socialism, uh, all ownership is vested in the state. All right? Well, the same thing has been stated in Supreme Court rulings, that in the United States, all ownership is vested in the state. You have no individual ownership, even though we think we do. And even if you go, you can go and read the Chinese um, constitution. Yeah, they've got a constitution just like we do. We're not supreme because we got a constitution. Oh, by the way, they vote just like we do. We're not supreme because we vote. Other countries vote, too. You're not told that, are you? Anyway, uh, you can go and read the Constitution for China, and it says in their Constitution that the highest position is in individual ownership of property. Gosh, it doesn't even say that in the U.S. Constitution, but it says that in the Chinese Constitution. Does anybody start thinking we've been hoodwinked? I mean... Just a question. Uh, but anyway, I think we followed the compact pretty well. We really did. Uh, there's a great um, point to be made on what you were mentioning with communism is that uh, one of the reasons that the government is ostracizing either Buddhism or Falun Gong or the Muslim Uyghurs in China is that religion does have to do with the oldest language known to the human psyche, which is symbols. Religion really does work within the realm of symbols. And so the state always is looking to have the monopoly over how symbols get used, where they get used. And as you said, um, they're trying to restrict commentary to be, to be mad, to be had. And of course, whenever, those are commentaries and so there's this uh flow of communication that obviously happens within the realm of religion and that's simply being throttled or truncated or controlled uh within that context and it's worth being stated here that you know as i was mentioning using twitter as your uh, public declaration medium that you can also take the time to exhibit your seals your symbols and your own trademarks for the the public uh sphere and that it may not have legal standing. It at least gets you in the thread of having a timestamp on something that might actually be completely your property. And so when you bring it into the public sphere, uh, there is a both a detriment and a benefit to it. And so the family crests, the family names, things that 
are actually your your equity uh, can be brought forward just like this declaration and in, in, in posted so that others can see them affiliated with the name that you're trying to use. And so um, I guess that's another great point, Brian, to be made. And maybe I'll let you make it that once someone fills out this declaration and signs down at the bottom, what they're signing at the bottom may actually be different than the name they bring forward in a private association, like a DBA or something. They may actually end up bringing forward a different name to associate by. And so that might be a conversation we could have to try to alleviate any confusion that Once you nothing has happened yet, you're still able to speak the first word that will allow you to be in association with another party. But to make that association, you might establish a new name. So for instance, Brian Parker, he may actually come forward as Brian of the family Parker instead of just Brian Parker. So I just wanted to make that, you know, distinguishing remark saying that you're not locked into anything just by signing this document or signing this compact. It's just a, it's like a starting position. It's like a, a zeroing out like we described before. And with that, I'll yield the floor. Yeah, well, if anybody, you know, wants to do that and there's any question about that, because they may use a DBA or something like that, you know, just by the uh, signature, autograph, whatever that they put on the line, put an asterisk. And then down below, uh, put an asterisk and put in AKA, you know, whatever your DBA may be if you want to do that. You know, it's so that you tie in any other things to avoid possible confusion. Um, I'm not sure that that's where you're going with it, but I, I, that is something that people could do. Well, let me let me <laughs> well, tack on here because I think you were reading me correctly. Um, there's just a point to be made here saying that once you've signed this compact with your witnesses, you're kind of giving yourself a zeroing out point. You haven't made any statement saying you're now in association with anybody or any private association membership or anything like that, you're simply zeroing it out and that there is, you know, um, the option now to come forward as a, um, you know, whatever you say, if it's a name change, if it's say a, uh, like I, I always use the word vessel. I think Keith was making really good points with the franking rights that that little postage, it's technically a vessel. And so we can almost look at ourselves that way that the banner that we'll be putting on our vessel may actually be different than what the name is that we're signing to this compact. And there's no controversy in that. that I guess that's the bottom line statement that I wanted to make, that you're not creating controversy by putting something down on this compact and then coming forward before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Party. I agree. I agree with that. And, you know, one of, I think, the strongest points of this compact is, <clears throat> is that looking at different things over time, uh, whether it was the NLA or uh, Restore America movement or 
um, trying to create a new state, a, a new California state. Uh, what's that? It's state of Jefferson, uh, different things like that. This is a situation where there is no one leader. There is no group of leaders at the top. This is no structured organization. So therefore, there is no way for the state to come in or the federal government to come in and arrest anybody and totally make the whole thing disappear. It can't happen because there's no structure like that. And that's what I think is very, very beautiful about this is that it just exists between us who decide that, you know what, really what it comes down to, we've decided we are going to be honorable to each other. That's all it is. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so, I, therefore, there's no way for them to come in and say, oh, we're going to get rid of this because we're going to arrest this guy or that guy. No, that, that, that's not going to change it. That's not going to change anything because nobody is looking for a god. Nobody's looking for a superhero. People nowadays too much are looking for a superhero. They're looking for a president that was sent by God to change things. He's going to help us. You know what? All through history, people have looked to their czars, their presidents, their CEOs. They're always looking for a higher power to come rescue them. Guess what? You know where that higher power is? It's in you. And individually, they, they can't wipe everybody out. They the only, that, their only way they ever wipe out any kind of movement is by taking on whoever's in charge, the CEO, or whatever the case may be. I, I keep hearing you trying to cut in, Keith. What do you got? Well, the, the construct of everything that we're trying to put together here is a, a, a know-by-self construct. And I've gone through a process here on Facebook itself in regards to trying to establish that personage in my own right rather than letting them continue along with their presumptions. And so what I did was I created a profile name, El Hotep Second Week Peril. And through the process of Facebook, they told me I couldn't use that because <laughs> that's not my real name, but yet we're allowed to use nicknames. So, you know, I went through that and I, it's not a battle I want. So I corrected my profile in a manner that shows that Keith Little, whether anybody else wants to recognize that person, in parentheses, has another person, and he sometimes authors things under that person. And it's when I author those things, I put El Hotep Secondly at the top, so everybody knows. It's coming from Keith Little, but the, the post itself, but within the post, it starts with El Hotep Secondly Peril. And generally, when I use El Hotep Secondly Peril, Thomas mentioned this, a timestamp. I go to the Epoch Converter, and I get a timestamp for exactly when I started that post. I click it, copy it, paste it in uh, my as my timestamp on the post. And then generally I'll put some kind of self-recognizable indication letters or numbers or series of both so that I know what I'm referring to and nobody else will know. It's not recorded anywhere. It's just right here. Um, and then I can put, print the material. And then at the end of the material, I put done in good faith, comma, given with freedom of patent. This is directly related also to that franking privilege. Above and beyond all else, trade name, trademark, copyright, everybody has a right of a freedom of patent, which is the same thing as a freedom of franking 
rights. You have the right to put your own seal on your own work. You have in, in doing your own work, creating your own work. You have the right. Either publish it for all public to see or to print so many copies to give out to certain members of the public or to only print certain number of copies to give out to private people directly associated with your private member association. Yeah, that's exactly correct. And, you know, who can define us? Only you and I can define ourselves. Nobody else can define us or decide how we're going to be, be defined. Uh, Tom, did you want to take on any questions from people listening? I think that would be uh, really appropriate. I wanted to make one quick uh, point here because I think it tacks on to what Keith was mentioning where he brought his kind of uh, he brought his language forward to Facebook under a different name. And so I just wanted to make the point here that uh, as I was going through the learning of this document, this compact, I came to the epiphany that the whole legal justice system, the whole justice system itself is based off of the supposition of peerage, P-E-R-A-G-E, -E, peerage, that when they create a jury, those are supposed to be our peers. And it occurred to me, there's like this epiphany that occurred to me that once an individual goes forward with this compact and brings it forward to the public sphere, be it on Facebook or Twitter, whatever they choose, that once someone comes to that and they decide they would like to endorse it, they can do that. And that that creates almost as a virtual peerage, you know, Twitter people can come together. Twitter users can come together to show they endorse the post. And so that would create a peerage. And so I had this epiphany that essentially we're, we need to create our own commonwealth of peers in order to bolster, bolster ourselves against the presumption of joinder with this, you know, office of fraud, which is, you know, the government, so to speak, it's that office of, of uh, controversy, that without that commonwealth of peers, we really don't have anywhere in our life where there is actual peers, not even your relatives are your peers, because they may not be of the age of the majority. And Brian got done saying earlier that that is a state of awareness. It's not an age or anything having to do with how long you've been alive or anything. It's a state of understanding and awareness. And so that commonwealth of peerage needs to be created so that whenever you're coming forward with, say, a declaration or, say, a claim or something, your peers can have the opportunity to endorse that, to say, yeah, looks good. I see where you're doing this. I see where your thinking is. I see where you actually filtered your decision for possible harm, meaning the Hippocratic Oath was, was a part of your decision-making process. And so I just wanted to make that point that although this is, you know, something that traditionally we would get it all signed and then bring it to a, a paper to be put into the actual paper, we don't necessarily have to do that right away. We can use Twitter or Facebook to be used as a sandbox to create this peerage um, 
Am I using the correct terminology by saying peerage? Is there a better word that we could use there? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yield the floor. No, I think peerage is very, very good. Um, and like I said, the board, the whole board now is all muted out. So if anybody had a, a question or a statement they want to bring up, um, I think when you come on, it tells you on, talks you rather, um, how to raise your hand. I think it's star five or something like that or star six. Uh, go ahead and do that or, or, or just mention it in the chat and I'll open you up. But yeah, no, I think Purge is the best. Uh, you know what comes to my mind, Tom, is we've heard uh, we're supposed to be able to be tried by a jury of our peers. And I think a lot of people don't really know what was meant when that was first used. But peers literally meant peers, people who knew you, people that work with you, people within your community. And so many times now we're finding they want to move cases. Oh, we got to move a case to another county because why? Because the mainstream media, mainstream media has totally uh, muddied the waters on a case. And... The worst part is we've really lost touch with our peers. Is there anybody with their hand up at the moment? Oh, let me take a peek. Yeah, I've got a hand up. Um, sorry, I, my mind starts going. Um, yeah, Keith has his hand up here. Um, let's see what he wanted to add to it. When we think about age of majority, we can kind of correlate with that with the average. Ever being true age. And so peer age would be same thing as average. The man that is average to you is in like image, image and likeness. Those that have the same thoughts, those that follow the same principles and doctrines, that is your purage. It is your legacy. The age isn't who you are. It's the time with, which is contract. Con being with, track being time, a span of time with him. Your contract with him is your acceptance of his oath. He granted an oath. If you accept that oath, you've got a contract first and foremost with him. That's your pure age. That's your true age. Your entire legacy. That's a great point. So it doesn't matter if you're if you're Muslim or Iranian or Canadian or from Timbuktu, as long as you have a contract that says you're supposed to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, then it's probably a pretty fair contract. But you better know the terms of it first. You better understand that if he thinks what. Well, you know, the problem is most people don't know that contract and there is no contract in place. And that's what this compact is doing. It's actually putting something in place. 
Uh, I'm sorry, a lot of that really makes people, they start hearing Oswald Bates on, in Living Color. And they're like, huh? What? Huh? But when it comes to age of majority, age of majority isn't a specific age. It's an age you come to. You may come to it at 12 years old. There's some smart kids out there. You may come to the age of majority at 40, 50, 60 years old. You may come to that age. That age isn't a specific time. The, the only specific time it relates to is the time that you realize what's up and what's going on in your position in this world. Uh, Thomas, I was scrolling through looking for other hands. I, mean, I don't see any. And I know a lot of people just like to listen. Um, and do, do, do. let me double check the chat to see if anybody put anything in. What's that? If nobody's got a question, I got a little analogy that might uh, help this along just a little bit more. Okay. And well, before you we bring that on, I want to mention something. Somebody put something in the chat. They said, well, if the Democrats get their way, will there be, ever be a jury? Da, da, da. Let me tell you something, guys. It's not about Democrats. It's not about Republicans. They are all in bed together. They're the same people who are all just throwing you BS to keep everybody arguing. That way, you won't pay attention to what's really going on. This was told back in... Uh, 1921, I think it was. The CEO of the Bank of England was giving a speech in New York City. And he said, point blank, he said, we created a two-party system here to keep you guys arguing over things of no consequence. That way, we could take care of business. Anyway, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, there's there's really a lot of subterfuge right now with uh, the way the media is handling people. And I think this analogy will help things a little bit because in America, things were uh, hijacked very early on. So we can go back even three, four, five generations in this country and still see that the distortion is well in place. And I want to bring up a little uh, analogy. We'll pretend for a moment that I am the father and I've got a granary business and our last name is Miller and Keith is my eldest son and Brian is the next younger son underneath Keith and we're going along and Keith is just about to turn 20 years old and I'm starting to get a little bit old. I'm starting to get a little bit absent-minded. I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Keith is actually a pretty darn sharp kid. And he's my first son. So why don't I go ahead and try to put him in position to carry on the equity of our Miller um, association? Because it's an association of guys that grow wheat, guys that haul wheat, guys that process uh, the the flower. And it's not just us. It's a whole bunch of stuff. And so I got Brian right behind him and he's sharp as hell too, but he's my second son. And just due to tradition, you generally don't use the second son to pass on your name and your equity. And so right there, there's a interesting question 
that can be posed because in two very aged religion, uh, religions, plural, we'll say Judaism and Catholicism, there's a specific point in a young man's age where they're given the celebration. Uh, one is called a bar mitzvah and the other one is called the catechism. And it's a little bit of a gateway that those gentlemen get to be brought through. And it simply allows them to say graduate. And I might decide as the father to bring Keith through a process of understanding the concepts in this compact so that he can be the resource for the rest of the family. So that if Brian came along and he said, you know what? I want to understand what it means to be uh, in honor, in equity. Well, me as the father, I could answer that question, obviously. But because I've been tootling Keith along with that, he'd also be a resource there. Now, when Keith becomes capable of standing verbally on the information I've been giving him, he might go through this, this bar mitzvah, so to speak. It's like a family celebration where we're now giving him the opportunity to operate under the name of Miller in his own right. But Brian doesn't necessarily get that opportunity yet because he's he's a little bit younger, but he also hasn't, you know, acted like he's ready to do that. But in the midst of it, he might say that he is ready. Well, as he said before, Brian mentioned that being the age of majority doesn't have anything to do with the age. So we might decide that Brian's ready for his bar mitzvah before Keith is, even though Keith is still the one who's in succession and still might be the resource for the rest of the family. And so I just wanted to make the point that Throughout our commonwealth, our private side, everybody connected, meaning no family lines, no family boundaries, just everybody in America who's acting in the private. We were all blessed with someone in our family who could speak to these things for a long, long time because we were trying to carry equity on from father to son through marriage and through property and all that. And so we lost all that once things happened in this country and we had haven't allowed ourselves to maintain that equity and that transfership of equity. And so what this compact does is it clears the controversy so that we can begin doing that again. And so when Brian was mentioning earlier that once you're, say, 45 years old and you're just now beginning to understand enough that you can verbally respond in kind to challenges to your say status challenges to say your standing that you know the difference to your capacity that you know the difference and you can can rebuke those presumptions that age has nothing obviously to do with it but you had to learn it you had to become that eldest son so that you could help yourself out. And that's kind of, that's a hard road, right? We all have to now educate ourselves with the stuff that really only the eldest son would have had to have really been kind of bolted in tight with back in the day. And so, you know, what Brian is doing with these podcasts is allowing all of us to become the eldest that we can essentially become the father 
so that we can begin transferring real equity down to either the private membership association. Like maybe Brian doesn't have any kids. He doesn't need to pass anything on to children. I may not either. So our private membership associations become very, very valuable in maintaining equity for those who we would like to bestow it to. I yield the floor. Go ahead, Keith. No, I, you know, I, I think you hit that, you know, directly the way it is. Uh, yeah, I think we uh, pretty much broke down what this compact is really about and how we're supposed to stand in honor with each other. Um, you know, like I say every week, people want to learn what to find out, where to start searching, what they need to inquire about. And I always say it's about learn who you really are, where you're really from, and where you're really at. Because we're deceived on all those things. And this compact kind of helps wind that together a little bit. And anyway, I appreciate your time here this evening, Tom. Uh, and I hope this, you know, gives a good explanation of what this compact is for people. Uh, there's more stuff I wanted to add, but that's all right. Um, and I think maybe... On just open Facebook and in Tactical Sovereignty, maybe I'll put the full text of this for people. Because normally when you just give the link, people don't tap on a link. People are looking for entertainment. Well, you know, I think the day and age of just looking for entertainment and being entertained, we're well past that. I think it's time that we need to start learning some stuff. Otherwise, we've got some hard times ahead of us. Definitely some hard times ahead of us. It's time to start learning. And so uh, I think I'll probably provide the full text to people as well as provide a link to it and use it as you wish. And uh, that's my plans. Um, you want to sign out, Tom? I think that's beautiful. I think that uh, the amount of information we gave tonight should get everybody uh, pointed in the right direction. and then do group it so let's just bring that up it seems as though we got more people coming in who are very very early on in their uh start of their research and so this document could be almost so complicated that they don't even realize it applies to them and so bringing that text forward would really help those individuals who just got here and you know are breaking it down sentence by sentence and i'll be happy to put this uh recording over top of a video of the document just scrolling slowly through the document i think we could bring that into facebook and help everybody that way Did we lose Brian real quick? Yeah, just for a short time. I'm back now. Beautiful. It yeah, go like ahead and sign off. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, thank you everybody for being here. If there's any questions about it, uh, feel free to contact me or, or Thomas. Um, I will, I think, probably post the full text of this into both Facebook and into Tactical Sovereignty. 
um, and maybe list it as um, the announcement or pinned post in the group. So it'll be at the very top if people want to read through it. And if they want, um, they can copy and paste it and copy it to their own document. Or I will also be providing a link where they can do the same with that link as well. And um, I'll also provide a recording of uh, this evening's call. That, that way, if there's any questions, people can do you know, a, a second listen. And uh, I think the first half of this call explained things excellently. And uh, thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Keith, for participating this evening. And, uh, you know, everybody be blessed. We are living in amazing times. People need to realize the times we are really living in. And we are the people that can help each other because nobody else is, period, just the way it is. Good night, everybody. Thanks, Tom. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.